Welcome to the CEO of Destiny podcast, where you will find the tools to fulfill the purpose of your generation and wildly succeed in the marketplace. And now your host, Andre J. Benjamin. You talk about the different, uh, even what they call even the fourth industrial revolution, uh, almost like the digitization of our society and, you know, the IOT and all these things. How do people evaluate and go? Because you talk about, you know, investing in long cycles, but, you know, what, what were some of the things that you begin to educate yourself on? How are we, you know, speak to a couple of things that you felt it could be blogs it could be research i mean maybe you'll email it later some things that you thought were useful to yourself i know that there are, are a host of books that i read uh yet i think it's good for people to lay out resources and kind of point out what they think on on things yeah so i mean i'm i'm happy to give uh, some resources that i have used and maybe we can also put them in the show notes uh but i've used um you know for books i found um, you know, crypto assets by uh, Bernisky, really great. Um, I thought the age of cryptocurrency by Vigna was, was great. Um, I loved the Bitcoin standard by uh, Safe Amus. Uh, and then really powerful is Technological Revolutions and Financial Cap- Capital by Carlota Perez. She's the one that outlines this whole long wave economic cycle thing. So there are also a lot of podcasts that I listen to. Um, Tim Ferriss had a podcast called The Quiet Master of Cryptocurrency that was great. And then Laura Shin has a a podcast called Unconfirmed, and she has another one called Unchained. And one of them is called The Basics, and that was really great. And then Laura Shin had one called Blockchain and Cryptocurrency, and I thought that was really great. So um, those are a few. and then just reading things like Coin Telegraph or Reddit on Bitcoin is really good. Um, there are a lot of articles that are really good. Um, you know, you're just going to have to get in Medium and get on some of the, um, the newsletters to get them. I really like Delphi Digital. Uh, they have a, a subscription, annual subscription. They have really good research, um, and you can get in there for an individual for for pretty cheap. So all what of them are great resources. Thank you. What do you think about tokenizing assets? And uh, I, some of the conferences I, I went to, I, you know, the listeners know my journey. I started exposing myself about 2017, uh, just off some conversations that I was having in, in the world I was in, and people started encouraging me to look into blockchain and cryptocurrency. And they started talking about tokenizing assets and, you know, such as real estate, say, you know, a great a skyscraper and people could buy a piece of that skyscraper rather than, you know, traditional deals where only people with certain net worth can get into purchasing a skyscraper. So what do you think of things like that? Yeah. I mean, I think those are, those are good. Um, the, the impact of tokenization is probably more linear. I mean, it'll be a little bit cheaper and it provides two things. It provides you the ability to do diversification because you can buy smaller units and then spread around your risk. And it creates liquidity where you might not be able to have it. So most real estate is pretty illiquid because like a skyscraper, if you had to buy the whole thing, not many people can buy the the whole thing. 
Uh, and so if, if it's smaller units then and they can sell, you know, there's an ex exchange for that, then you're making an illiquid asset much more liquid. So there's a lot of advantages to that. Um, but it's still the value of the building um, that really is ultimately what that's worth. So that, you know, the asset class of the investment doesn't change per se on that. I think tokenization is important and valuable, um, but I think there's explosive growth in the crypto assets themselves. So well, speak to that, speak to about the crypto assets and talk about a few different investment classes. For okay. Um, I think that um, there's a few things like in the 1990s, we had these internet protocols that came out. Um, HTTP, that's the one that allowed us to send web pages across. Um, SMTP, that's the one that let us send emails across. Um, and the, the protocols were free. And then what happened was people would build applications on top of them and that's where they made money. Um, but what if you could have invested in those internet protocols? You know, what if you could have invested in HTTP back then and every time somebody sends a web page, you'd get fractions of a penny or whatever. That wasn't possible back then because they gave the protocols away. But that is possible now because the cryptocurrencies are a part of the blockchains and those blockchains are the protocols and platforms that we're building the digital decentralized financial system on. We're building an entirely new financial system, peer-to-peer, -peer, decentralized, um, autonomous, to be able to be built on these platforms and protocols. And so investing in the protocols can allow you, uh, you know, similar or analogous to being able to in invest in protocols in the 90s like that. So, so you, you made a, uh, you made some, thank you for that. You made a, a, a statement in the book about how, and you even said it earlier on in this conversation about how someone from an older generation would look at Bitcoin. And these are some of the conversations I hear with people as they say, I don't know about that. And, you know, there's so many, of course, that we've got the mainstream machine pumping a lot of fear and certainty and doubt and anxiety and everything. And every story is, you know, money laundering, drugs, you know, trafficking of people and all these things associated with it. And the question I personally ask, and I think to myself is, so these things weren't happening with what we call fiat, you know, and I'm not excusing them or, or saying that it shouldn't, but when people look at blockchain, they say it's risky. They say about you, you laid it out as talking about the immaculate um, kind of birth of crypto or, or Bitcoin in particular. And, you know, Bitcoin kind of is when people, people don't know blockchain, people don't know Ethereum or, you know, uh, the host of others, they might hear about the dog coin, the meat and the doge coin and the, the meme kind of stuff with Elon Musk. They hear about more of the eccentric things on the fringes, but they don't hear about if when they think Bitcoin, they think of that is the all encompassing of it all. And there's a lot of people that are skeptical because, and people even say that to me, they said, you know, I, uh, someone gave me an opportunity to put a little money in, you know, and I had a few, you know, let's say it was, I had $10,000 and I was thinking about doing it. But then when I started to read up on it, it just seems creepy that, you know, nobody knows where this came from. What do you say? Can you speak to people's concerns about how it seems creepy that you can't 
not necessarily tie it to a group because I understand why that would be important to, to maintain the, um, you know, the autonomy of it, but the people's skepticism around it, that it just, they, they believe it seems somewhat creepy. Yeah. Um, I think that Bitcoin is a little different because it doesn't have a head person, right? There, there's nobody, there's no one person like a Mark Cuban or anybody who could change it. Nobody owns it or is the figurehead. So even Satoshi coming out of the smoke, if Satoshi was a real person, could not know, know who the, the, you know, it's a pseudonym. We don't know specifically who that they or him or she is. Um, and that's valuable because, you know, there was nobody, you know, there was nobody to go after, nobody to blame and nobody to change it, right? So it allowed this um, Bitcoin protocol to be able to grow organically in the free market. And so it was built with incentives for miners, for uh, uh, investors, for users. And people started to see that it had the, the six characteristics of what sound money would have and, and what are those six characteristics and do them better so um, characteristics like divisibility durability uh, scarcity acceptability um, um, I don't remember a couple you spoke, of them. you spoke to the fact that they're having to be labor which is important um, work as associated with it so the miners yeah there's a cost of production that's critically important and so um, uh, Bitcoin satisfies all these where fiat currency doesn't because it's not scarce right there has to be a scarce component to it there are only 21 billion Bitcoin there will only ever be there will never be more than 21 million Bitcoin and so that scarcity is, is valuable if it continues to be more and more acceptable. But we've, I think we've hit the mark where we're, we're, we've hit the tipping point already, right? Um, I think the risk is much less than it was three years ago. Uh, right now, we had hit the, the number of, of crypto accounts or wallets hit about 17% of the market of the total global market, which was similar to how many email accounts existed in 1997. And so uh, I think we've hit a good uh, tipping point of this thing being more and more acceptable. And so it, having those six characteristics of sound money uh, really allows it to have a base where some of the other crypto assets don't make sense if they're trying to be money. Dogecoin doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry that I don't know why the news media will only give these crazy things. And, you know, crypto assets are just a tool. More damage is done with $100 bills every day. Um, you know, they don't talk about that. And all technologies, all innovations are used by porn, gaming, and illegal all the time. It was the same way with the internet. It started, you know, with gaming and, and porn and illegal activity. And so that just is a part of innovation. So um, those are the early years. It's not like that, you know, less than 1% of all transactions have anything to do with that now. 
In fact, the Colonial Pipeline, they were able to claw back and find half of the ransom because it was using uh, Bitcoin blockchain. So um, that wouldn't have been able to be possible with, uh, you know, unmarked bills. So uh, it's, a, it's a better form of money. And I, we just have to change the story about, about really what's going on versus, uh, versus, you know, the memes and, and the storytelling. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do us a favor. If this was useful in any way for you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Reviews will allow others to easily discover the podcast. If you'd like more information and to receive a free download, rediscover your destiny, go to ceoofdestiny.com. Thanks again and tune in next time.